in all honesty, I never really thought to myself what type of student I am or the type that I ever wanted to be. To me, it's just always go to school, get your grades, and be the best you can be, and always try to be greater than that. And I never actually really considered much thought into it. Welcome to CG2Cast. I'm your host, Aaron Blackwater. Today I'll be having a conversation with Jeff Frieden. Jeff is an English teacher at Hillcrest High School in Riverside, California. Jeff runs a blog site, Make Them Master It. Recently, Jeff decided to give summative grade conferences a try and made some important discoveries when he interviewed one of his students. Today, we will be talking about how Soleil's words can help teachers learn from a student's perspective of grades. Hello, Jeff. Welcome to TG2Cast. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, so... Um, so you wrote uh, this uh, article, uh, 170 students in uh, in five days, and um, it talks about your decision to um, to conference with students, uh, do a summative conference. What led you to that decision? Well, there's a lot of things that led me to that decision. So I was for a long time. I'm struggling with. I guess I was noticing for years students struggling. They were more concerned with getting points on assignments to get a grade in the class than they were with the learning that I was trying to uh, coach them into or, or usher them into as a teacher. And so I started kind of looking into alternative ways to assess students um, and still show that they're learning, but see if I can get away from points. And it is a long journey. I, you know, I read Maya Wilson's Rethinking Rubrics. Um, I, I found Star Saxteen's hacking assessment, and it all kind of led to that's where the TTOG hashtag came in, and it, it brought me to a teachers going gradeless. And then I was starting to see what was possible, and I think the there was like a couple of things that came together. I listened to this podcast episode on Rethink ELA. It was with Marissa Thompson, and she was talking about an instructionless model in her classroom, and I went, oh. I, this actually sounds like it could be really interesting where the students have more voice and choice and they show her how they're learning. And then couple that with Andrew Burnett's blog post about how to have a gradeless classroom. And it kind of all came together for me. And I was like, all right, I see a path for doing this. And it's going to be through this summative conference sort of at the end of each grading term. And um, you had one student, Soleil, who stood out to you. What about her in this conference stood out? Well, she was kind of the last conference that I had. So um, over the course of that week that I'd been talking to all these students, and then hers was the following week, I really saw students in a completely new way um, and was realizing a lot of stuff about my my practice in the past with points and gradebook that the gradebook I was realizing was sort of this um, interpretive lens that stood between me and my students. And we were kind of, we were interpreting each other through it. What I mean is um, what I look at, I look at this giant spreadsheet full of assignments and students' names with points in it. And if based on the amount of points that are in each row or with this next to a student name, I'm kind of crafting 
a story or a narrative about what, like, why is it that high or that low? And so like for a student who's not turning in a bunch of work, typical narrative that me and, you know, I'm sure there's other teachers out there too, they would say like, oh, that's a lazy student. They're not doing their work. They're not getting their work done. Or I look at a student who's getting like a B plus or something like that. And I would say that's, that student's like doing pretty good. They're working pretty hard and you know, they're, they're not in any kind of trouble. They're doing great. And what I came to realize through these summative conferences that I was having with them is that my B plus students are actually, some of them, a few of them have a lot of experience with anxiety about their place in the class and not feeling good enough and, um, you know, quite a bit of anxiety for a few. And then for those that are struggling to get work submitted, um, they actually have a lot going on outside of class. Um, and they're, they're using all of their mental faculties for things that aren't, you know, like reading analysis in my, you know, ELA class. And so it's kind of unfair for me to say that they're lazy or that they're actually, it's really unfair for me to say that they're lazy and, and, um, not doing their work. They're, they're actually, they're kind of devoting their mental energies to some other things like who they are as people, their identities. And, um, it just made me see that like there's a richness and a complexity to their stories that I was not seeing when I was looking at this big spreadsheet. Yeah. Um, and I, I like how you call it a lens, um, because, you know, teachers are seeing through that. And how many times have I heard, uh, or, you know, have we heard uh, students called a B student or an A student? And those begin to stigmatize uh, and label students. And um, when I listened to the interview that you did with Soleil, uh, you, you interviewed her for uh, your podcast. Um, Soleil um, really speaks to this identity of who she is in relation to grades. I'd like to play that for you. Okay. In all honesty, I never really thought to myself what type of student I am or the type that I ever wanted to be. To me, it's just always go to school, get your grades, and be the best you can be, and always try to be greater than that. And I never actually really considered much thought into it. So she talks about her identity being wrapped into grades, that, that her job is to go to school, get good grades, and be the best she can be. Um, when you heard Soleil say this, how did that um, impact you? It hit me kind of on two levels. There was kind of this initial level, and then you know when I took the audio away, I was listening to it later on. And it hit me on a different level. So that first level, and I was really just trying to kind of introduce like her to anybody who was listening. And it, the level that it struck me as is kind of like, oh, she's talking about me. That's that was my experience um, when I was in school. Is is just kind of show up, do the best I can to get you know good enough grades. Um, and that experience seemed very normal to me. And then later on, like when I linked. I'm thinking back on it and I'm, as a teacher, I'm reflecting on, you know, I'm trying to get students to, to value learning, to like want to show up in my class and like experience reading really good books, having great conversations, academic conversations with each other and learn to be better writers and things like that. I heard none of that in her response and, or, and I'm, I'm being, um, I'm favoring my subject area that I teach, but you know, what about, you know, learning, learning more about science or designing something from the ground up or, 
um, you know, just like doing projects about how math works in the real world or something like that. I'm hearing none of that in her response. It's just, can I get the grade? And it's, that's kind of discouraging to me as a teacher. Um, because I mean, yes, I'm encouraged that students want to do well at school, but I'm also discouraged that that's the focus, um, for a lot of students versus their development as, uh, you know, human beings who are growing into themselves. Right. I don't know how your school works, but um, we have our teacher evaluation system and we're, we're assessed on a four point rubric. Um, and quite often, I mean, we have levels in that where um, we're, we're, we're labeled as meeting standard, excelling, um, et cetera. And it's hard for me not to see myself through that lens at times when we're at the table discussing where I am. And I know that, that a young, you know, and I don't fully see myself as a whatever teacher in general. And I don't talk about that, but I can see how easy it is for kids year after year being assessed by grades, being caught up in that, uh, that this is who my, my identity is as a student. I am a B plus student or whatever. Right. Now, what I gained from the interview is that Soleil is relatively new to the class and that you have students who cycle from the previous year into this year. Is that correct? In this case, um, I used to teach AP language, but now it's for students who were in AP language their junior year last year, I had um, that was taught by a different teacher, but we are closely aligned in how we teach. Um, we, we work together often on strategies. So there was, um, what, you know, what experience I think you're going to kind of point to here in a second is that, um, many of my students that I have this year as seniors last year as juniors, they were in this AP language class with Mr. Mummert on campus. And we, there are some practices that we have that are very similar to one another. And so the AP Lang students that came into my class, they had seen some of the things that I was um, giving to the students. And, um, so they, they kind of thought, Oh, this is just like last year. Right. And it created for Soleil a sense of competition that, um, these other students are leading the pack and Mm -hmm. she's behind. Um, and I'm going to let her speak to that experience. Okay. There was almost more of like, I'd say half the class. So I kind of knew the material from that they'd taken last year in their uh, AP English course before. And I had never taken an AP or like honors English course. And for me, I felt like I was kind of behind and I would be too afraid to ask questions or even ask my classmates for help just at the fact I don't want to seem dumb in this class. So this sense of competition um, left her feeling like she had to protect herself, that she didn't want to appear, that she didn't know what was going on, afraid to ask questions, and ultimately made her feel dumb. Um, What was your reaction to that in in hearing that? Well, yeah, again, I experienced that on a few levels. Um, First of all, it just made me kind of aware of made me more aware of the situation. And I guess if I was just doing grades in a grade book, um, and points, I probably wouldn't have been able to have this hearing with a student where it's like, Oh, now I kind of see what's going on. There's this divide in my classroom. And so it allowed me to address that. So I was really grateful to hear it. Um, but I, yeah, it's, again, it's discouraging because 
I, as the teacher in there, I'm looking at each student individually and what they are comparing themselves to each other. That's on an idea that I gave them. Um, that's something that they kind of came up with. And you're right. It is sort of the competitive nature and we have class rank, um, in our schools. And so there, it is coming across like it is a little bit of a competition. I think too, on another level, some students do experience it as a competition, but I think it's also just a matter of belonging Mm, for, um, in this case too, with Soleil is, is, you know, do I belong here in this class? And, um, seeing how much students wrestle with that, um, like they just, they're not sure if they're fit for the environment and it's like, well, do you want to learn? Then you're a fit for the environment. And that's my perspective, but you know, it's hard to, um, have that sink in or for the students to allow that to sink in if their experience outside of my one class, my one hour a day for this one year, um, has been, their experience has just kind of been this sort of competitive mindset. Right. And, and ideally what we would like to have is not students go, Hmm, do I fit into this class? Am I the right match? But we want them to think, wow, I get the opportunity to be here. Right. This is something for us to think about. Um, because when we're looking through the lens of a grade book, I don't know Soleil's grade, but let's just say she was a B plus, we would automatically just say, Oh, Soleil, you're fine because you're a B plus student, not, right. Hey, you're doing great. Um, I could see the work that you're, that you're doing. I could see that this is connecting with you. I could see that this is tapping into your interest. I'm seeing you thrive in this class. A lot of our gut responses, oh, you're fine. You're a B plus. And that's not the right answer. And I've, I've, I've had the experience too in the past. I can recall I'm kind of cringing now. I have pushed that back on students where they're, they're worried about something or their identity class. And I said like, but you're a B plus. And I kind of push it back to them and say like, just accept the label. And, um, I wish I could go back and have a conversation with that teacher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it talking about the teacher student relationship and how grades impact that now, not only do we see students through a label, um, but they're seeing us through, um, a label as well. They see themselves first, their, their label is reflected back to them while they're seeing us through that. Right. And, um, it, it really kind of impacts a student teacher relationship. And I'd like to share Soleil's words here. Sure. I think one of the biggest fears that I had in going into having my conversation with you was just the fact that I was afraid of, um, what you might think of me as a student. I had all my work done for our meeting and I was ready to go, but I don't think completely. I thought my work was say good enough to show you to me it wasn't even like satisfactory work it was just kind of okay like i think this has done it was it was done yeah it was just more done instead of like work that i was proud of to show you now ultimately we'd like to get students at the end of the semester to uh, display the work that they're proud of um right what did you gain from this class or how you know what is your exemplary works? Um, and then have them discuss why they're proud of it. However, uh, I get the sense that Soleil feels a sense of insecurity um, within her work, that her work just isn't good enough. Not just, oh, I just slopped my work together and, you know, I should be embarrassed about it because right. I didn't put it up. But I really get the sense that Soleil invested herself in her work and she just feels that it just, no matter what she did, it wasn't going to be good enough. Uh, you want to help me unpack that a little bit with her? Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that, that is exactly how I would 
that's how I'm seeing the situation is that she's, she's doing, she's investing. I like the word you chose there. She was investing in her learning and trying to wrap her head around it, but at the same time, like afraid to ask. So she's doing, you know, the best she can with, um, without, you know, I guess she's not giving herself access to uh, somebody who could really help her out. Mm-hmm. because of like how it might make her feel. And so she is, I mean, like, look at all the investment there is just right there and sort of the, the mental gymnastics that she's putting herself through just to kind of make it through the day. Um, and it's like, no, you're invested in your work. And it, also too, like this is all kind of on her end. This is how she's seeing it, but it's not how I'm seeing it. You know, I'm seeing student who's wrestling with the learning and doing their best to kind of wrap their heads around it. And, <clears throat> Um, so she's like, it's all pretty much on her end as far as like how she's, um, when it comes to like how her and I kind of relate to one another, she's got all of this, uh, these thoughts kind of swirling around and I'm just trying to, Hey, let's sit down and talk about it. And I mean, like when I hear that audio back, it's also, I'm seeing this as, um, you know, if she is just bring to bring to the table what you have. Um, obviously long before it gets to the summative part would be great. And then we can, you know, like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Um, I want to get it. What do I need to do or where should I focus or what do I need to kind of retool? And that just wasn't happening. So what she realized, um, through the conferencing was, it was, um, a process that, uh, she felt humanized or acknowledged through. And, um, so in this soundbite, uh, Soleil discusses, uh, how conferencing helped her to see, uh, her relationship with you as a teacher. Um, and it allowed her to accept herself as her own learner. So I'm going to play that. Well, after a conversation, you had told me that I wasn't the only one who like kind of had this issue. And I was kind of like, well, like I'm not the only one. I thought it was, uh, just me who was feeling this way when everyone else around me is kind of getting it and I'm not. And then afterwards I just felt like, wow, like Mr. Frieden, like actually helped me learn something different about myself that like, you know, my, I don't have to compare what I'm learning and like how I'm getting it to say other students and how they are. Through conferencing um, and just ultimately, and she says in another soundbite that you took the time. Um, how is taking the time, um, giving students that five, seven minutes of time, um, essential to the process of learning. This is where I get to, to learn their story. And this is actually new to me. So I'm, I don't really do, I have never done summative conferences before. I've barely done like one to two minute student teacher conferences in the past. Cause I always thought it would take too much time away from the, the curriculum. And so it, for me, I'm experiencing this in a whole new way where it's like, wow, I am really learning about what's going on with these students. And to the level that they're honest with me and a lot of them, you know, took a risk and were honest, I I guess seeing something in me that like, I really genuinely wanted to give them a fair hearing as a human being. Um, and you know, I'm not looking for them to give me an explanation or, um, excuses or anything like that about, you know, why they have invested in the work the way they have. But you know, when I asked them this question about like, Hey, what's the biggest barrier to you putting your full effort into this class? I got so many different um, responses that really opened my eyes to the different stories that they're all kind of living. And it, it kind of took me back almost to like when I was 17, 18 years old and, 
you know, when you're in the struggle and I've, as a teacher who has been in the classroom for 14 years, I've, it's long since forgotten the struggle of what it's like to be a teenager. And I do think that today teenagers have a lot more that they're kind of processing. I mean, when I was, um, when I was a senior in high school, 1999, that was the Columbine, but that's when that happened. So these guys have grown up with, they're always being this looming, you know, there's, there's threats all around and, uh, post nine 11. And, um, then there's just, they have high speed internet in their pocket and they're, you know, constantly you know, being pulled by that. And I never had to experience that as a teen. And so they're dealing with that. And then just all of the, I, I guess I really got to see like how complex and rich their experiences in high school instead of just projecting my own like former experience onto them, which is what I was doing before. Yeah, I'd seen somebody post on Twitter recently that students are constantly, because of the um, because of social medias and uh, more specifically the um, online gradebooks, how students are constantly under the scrutiny of the of the panopticon. Um, if you're familiar with the um, discipline and punch by Foucault, um, that yeah, they are constantly feeling under scrutiny. And, and the, they're worried about the amount of likes that they have or uh, the amount of uh, retweets or reshares or whatever that they get um, because it helps with their identity. And this, you know, grades feed into that because they're constantly able to check those and their parents are constantly able to check those too. And it's a worry about what are they doing wrong rather than what are they doing right. Yeah. And that's the, that's like a whole nother thing to unpack, but the, um, my experience with, with points and things like that is at, now that I'm, I'm, I feel a little bit more unshackled based on my experience this year, as I'm reflecting on the previous 13 years, it just seemed like what I was doing when I was grading was really just constantly pointing out how they're not hitting a target. You know, like you're not, you're not good at it really. I mean, like it's basically saying not good enough, not good enough kid. And it's oh, really not good enough. And those were the grades that they were getting. So again, that's a whole new, a whole nother conversation. But when I stepped away from that, then I could just see the person. And, um, that's what was really coming out here. And their experiences are that it's, it's been really, really good to get to know what's going on with them. Okay. We're going to end on this clip. Um, this one is where, uh, Soleil, um, begins to assess herself and how through self-assessment and working with her teacher to, um, to assess herself, uh, has in a sense liberated her. So and that you were grading me based on how better I'm doing, not compared to say the other students in which I'm so used to getting from all my other classes through, I would say probably like how the letter grade system works. And then for you, it was just kind of more, uh, it was kind of more kind of personal. So she says um, that assessment with uh, dealing with the specific growth of a student rather than uh, the comparative um, uh, of the class, the, the criteria reference or the norm reference within outside the students, we're dealing with the, um, the criteria reference within the student. Um, she says it made it personal. And when I think of the word personal, I'm thinking you humanize me or you, um, saw me as a subject rather than an object. Um, so how has this relationship with Soleil been since the conference? Well, I mean, there's a, there's more of a lightness day to day. Um, she is willing much more to, you know, pose questions if she's feeling stuck. 
and um, she's she's sharing a little bit more about her experience, what's going on, and she's you know say if because um, there's been a, a couple of occasions where she hasn't been in class, she's not afraid to come tell me like what like hey where were you yesterday, and they can have that conversation because usually I would get from students is not here or you know like why you know why are you trying to you know get into get involved here, and I've just had more conversations about you know, like how are you feeling in the class, Do you feel better, and and she's like oh yeah yeah I feel a lot better now, and just knowing that. Um, I'm, I'm not scrutinizing her based on like a level of work um, because I don't, I can't uh, remember if it was right in that soundbite that you played, but it was, she's kind of noticing that too. Like, Hey, you know, it's great to, it's great when a teacher doesn't necessarily place this high. Cause like she feels like there's this high expectation on her as a student that teachers do that when that with like, Hey, I need to get an A um, in the class. Right. Right. Now, after these conversations, after these 170 conferences, um, how did this conversation with Soleil and also the, the, um, the conferences that you did in general, how have they shaped you as a teacher? Um, what did you learn? What is the greatest takeaway you, you have from this? And how is it going to continue to change your pedagogy? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, the impact has been really profound and I'm still like, my thoughts are still kind of swirling. I'm not really sure yet. It's probably going to take me a full year and a summer to digest everything that's happening right now with me as a teacher. Um, so yeah, it wasn't this one conversation, all these conversation and there, I guess like, and I said this already too, like that I realized how bad of a story points in the grade book were telling me about my students and uh, for them about themselves and like what I interpreted in that. And so, um, I guess like I used to see unsubmitted work as a mark against the student. Um, instead now when I'm looking at it as an opportunity to get to know what's going on with them. And that concludes our episode of TG2 cast. I want to thank my guest, Jeff Frieden. You can follow him on Twitter at make them master it. If you'd like more information, check us out on our website at teachersgoinggradeless.com or our Facebook group. You can also follow us on Twitter at TG2Chat.